welcome to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Lyon, and I want to thank you for joining me as we explore the world of small grains production and research at Washington State University. In each episode, I speak with researchers from WSU and the USDA ARS to provide you with insights into the latest research on wheat and barley production. If you enjoy the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast, do us a favor and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave us a review so others can find the show too. My guest today is Dr. Clark Neely. Clark is an extension agronomist and the lead for the WSU Extension Cereal Variety Testing Program based in Pullman, Washington with the Crop and Soil Sciences Department. He received degrees from Penn State, University of Idaho, and Texas A&M University. He worked for six years at Texas A&M University as a statewide small grains and cool season oilseed extension specialist before coming to WSU in 2019. His research program is built around the variety testing program with previous and current projects looking at the impact that wheat varieties have on soil microbial recruitment in the rhizosphere, wheat varietal impacts on subsequent canola production, and differences in early season emergence and vigor among winter wheat varieties. Clark also teaches the Advanced Cropping Systems course for the department. Hello, Clark. Hi, Drew. So I understand you've been doing some wheat seeding rate and seed size work. Uh, What got you interested in this subject? Right. So I've often heard that seed size is important, um, and there's a, a fair amount of evidence in the literature to back that up. And it makes sense that larger seed has more energy reserves, um, be more resilient to adverse conditions. Um, people know we often run into that in the Northwest, whether this, the soil is too cold, too wet, too dry, any number of pests or diseases that could attack the seedling. Um, but there's really no, uh, very little uh, research that I could find in the Northwest to see exactly what impact that is having, if any, um, how what kind of, how big of an impact it could have and how often it could have. Um, so that was kind of my my interest. I am an agronomist. I love talking varieties, but occasionally I like to do other things too. Um, so I was kind of interested to see what kind of impact that was having. And then also on the seeding rate size, uh, we know seeding rate can make a difference, but again, there's very little actual documented trials uh, showing, you know, what is the ideal rate that we should be using. So I felt like that would be a good thing to document and actually both for growers and myself, I want to know if our variety trials are actually being planted at the the ideal rate. Um, we think we know, and maybe there's been stuff done in the past, um, but I couldn't find it. So I figured I'd take a look. I know um, when I give talks about integrated weed management, I often talk about um, one of the uh, tools you can use is plant larger seed because there is research suggesting it gets up out of the ground quicker, has more energy, um, and higher seeding rates for greater competition. But a lot of that data comes from the Great Plains where, uh, you know, I did some of it. Um, and so, yeah, it's be interesting in a quite a different environment here in the Pacific Northwest, whether those same rules hold up. I've kind of assumed they do, but I, I don't have the data to to know that they do. So yeah, good, good work. So, so what were the objectives of, of this research? 
Okay, well, basically, just in a nutshell, what I just said was uh, we want to determine whether seed size impacts both early season growth and, and ultimately grain yield of spring wheat, and then also identify the ideal seeding rate for spring wheat under different precipitation zones because we're expecting that it would change based on your environment. Um, I guess uh, to put things in perspective um, for listeners, the, the current rates that we do use in our, our highest rainfall zone, we plant at 980,000 seeds per acre, which is equivalent to 22 seeds per square foot, or depending on your seed size, on average, it's about 75 pounds per acre. Our intermediate zone, we're planting at 870,000 seeds per acre currently, which is 20 seeds per square foot, or roughly 66 pounds per acre. And then in our lowest rainfall zone, we're planting at 650,000 seeds per acre, which is equivalent to 15 seeds per acre, or roughly 50 pounds per acre. So tell us a little bit about how the trial uh, treatments were set up and how you executed the trial. Sure. So this all kind of started um, like a lot of things that I do. That There was some extra room in the variety trial. And I'd already asked companies and breeders if they had any more to submit, and they didn't. And we have a certain number of slots where you have to either round up or round down. So uh, rather than just putting a fill, I thought I would make it useful. And so we put some treatments in. And so we embedded the seed size treatments into all of our soft white spring variety trials this past year. Um, the, the seed sizes that we use, so the small seed, oh, well, I'll, I'll take a step back. So we, we, we got one big bag of Ryan. We chose Ryan because that's our number one soft white spring wheat planted in the state. And we sifted that seed. So it all came from the same source. And then we sifted it uh, into small, medium, large. Uh, the small seed size was approximately 16,200 seeds per pound. The medium was just over 13,000 seeds per pound. And the large seed size was 9,400 seeds per pound. So there's a pretty big range there. Um, on the seeding rate size uh, or seeding rate trial, uh, we only did, these were individual trials. They were not embedded into the variety trials. Uh, we did those at four sites, one in each precip zone. So we had a trial at Horse Heaven, Reardon, St. John, and Farmington. Uh, we did two varieties. We had Ryan uh, for Softway Spring, and then we also chose Hale for a Hard Red Spring. And then we did, at each site, we had six seeding rates, and those ranged, they were slightly different. At the low range, or low rainfall sites, it ranged from five to 30 seeds per square foot. At our higher rainfall sites, it ranged from 10 to 35 seeds per square foot. Um, so that, to put that in perspective, if you need that converted, that's anywhere from 218,000 seeds per square, uh, per acre, up to 1.5 million seeds per acre, or 17 to 116 pounds per acre on average. And so the data we collected, we did go back and we took stand counts and we use an app called Canopio um, where it's estimating canopy cover. Um, so hopefully answer some of your questions about weed competition there. Uh, so we took that and then in addition to that, we just took our normal measurements that we do for variety testing. So we have yield, test weight, protein, head date, plant height. Um, yeah. So uh, what did you find? Uh, so we found that there was differences. Um, I was most, I guess, not necessarily surprised that we saw differences. I was more surprised at just how consistent they were. Um, so, and basically everything that we measured, I guess I was surprised that we were seeing small, but significant differences in like plant height and heading date. Um, we saw consistent differences in yield 
I didn't know if it would, I, I figured we'd see differences early in the season. I didn't know if that translate to yield or not, but it did. The only things we didn't see differences in were uh, test weight, protein, and uh, grain moisture at the end, um, at least for the seed size. Um, there was only one interaction. When I say interaction, um, that's just fancy talk for it depended on where you were. Um, so in for the canopy cover, there were some sites that were significantly different. Some sites, it didn't make a big difference. But um, So in general, I said we saw differences. What were those differences? So interestingly, we didn't see really any difference between the medium and the small seed. But where we did see a difference was going from the medium to the large seed. That one was almost always higher. Um, so on the yield size, that, that translated into about a 13% bump in yield. Um, we did see increases in stand count and canopy cover on average. Um, we increased stand by about 17% and canopy cover actually increased uh, roughly 49%. So pretty substantial differences there. Um, and then on the plant height, we increased plant height by about one inch and shortened our heading date by about a day. So okay. that was pretty interesting. Um, that was on the the Seed size. Oh, I, I should mention, I'll just briefly mention that the main focus here is the work I did this past year on spring wheat, but we also have done a little bit and are continuing to do work on winter wheat as well. Um, in fact, our first treatments were with Elsius Shine, and um, which actually prompted me to continue doing this work with spring wheat. And with the Elsius Shine from uh, small seed to medium seed, which were the only two treatments we had, uh, we saw about a six bushel per acre advantage in our low rainfall sites. So um, that was, I found that really interesting. We're continuing to do some of that work too. Um, so on the seeding rate side, um, I was also really pleased with how those results turned out, um, namely just how consistent we saw results across um, rainfall zones. Um, I used a, a poly polynomial trend line, which is basically just an arc. And we had, I had really high R square value, so which is basically telling you how close the, the data points were to the trend line. So there wasn't a lot of deviation off the trend line, which I thought was really good. Uh, we had R square, most of the times those R square values were over 0.9, um, which is really, really good. Um, so as you would expect, uh, location did impact yield, the seeding rate impacted yield, and also uh, there were differences in varieties. So yield potential between the varieties differentiated uh, as well. Um, and we had a pretty good spread in yield potential. Um, I'm hoping to repeat this again to get an even wider spread. So our low yielding environment, which was horse heaven, actually yielded 28 bushels, which exceeded our average. I would actually like to see some lower yields to, to get the lower end of the spectrum there. And um, Farmington should have been our highest yielding one, but like I mentioned earlier, that site had to be replanted and our yield potential was way down. So St. John ended up actually being our highest yielding site and it topped out about 70 bushels. So that was kind of the range of yields that we had. Um, Ryan out yielded hail in every case. Uh, I thought it was interesting. There were some interactions there where hail, it did respond to, to the seeding rate, but it was more of a flatter line. It didn't yield, it did better. It didn't respond as much as Ryan did to higher seeding rates. I'll put it that way. So um, and there was, a, in almost all cases, there was a peak at which the yield started to decline if you started to push rates too high. Um, so
So let's see, what were some of the specifics here? Um, so what I ended up and did to kind of get, um, uh, uh, kind of distilled down all the data that I had, I would take the highest yielding point from each variety at each location. And then I plotted that on a graph and I used that as my yield potential for that site. Cause I want to know what, uh, seeding rate is going to maximize yield. Um, so I took the, the rate that maximized yield at each location. I plotted that on a graph and got a, a pretty nice, it wasn't perfect, but I was actually pretty happy with the, the relationship that I saw. And it basically was a positive relationship. So as you went from lower environment yielding potential to higher yielding potential, there was a linear trend that higher rates increased yield potential. Um, and uh, to put that in perspective, um, I just kind of took the low and the high end. So if your yield potential is about 30 bushels per acre, uh, the ideal seeding rate based on our trials was about 20 seeds per square foot. At the higher end um, with about 70 bushels, actually the, the ideal rate was about 30 seeds per square foot. Um, so what what does that mean for me? Um, it basically was telling me that we're, we could actually be bumping up our seeding rates that we're currently using. Like I said earlier, our, our low rainfall, we're currently using about 15 seeds per square foot. Um, but I think we might benefit from bumping that up. And and also the same is true for the high rainfall. The The only site that looked like we were kind of right on was our like 12 to 16 inch zone. It looked like that, that 20 uh, seeds per square foot was about the ideal rate that we were seeing. So um, I did want to mention, we, we've also done some work with seeding rates in our irrigated sites. Um, that was actually at the request of the our uh, cooperators out there um, did not see, it was hard to distill that down into uh, any consistent findings. We, we only had three site years and we did that in 2022 at Moses Lake. We didn't get any data from Pasco that year. And in 2023, we did it at both Moses Lake and Pasco. In 2022, uh, we actually saw a pretty good response. So higher rates increased yield. Uh, but actually this past year, there was not a clear trend. The low rates, there was a trend from like 10 to 15 seats per square foot. There was a pretty consistent bump across varieties. But then after that, there wasn't really obvious that you were getting a big bump past that. So I think we need more data to, to say with certainty whether um, we need to change our rates out there or not. Okay. And you said you're doing this work in some winter wheat as well. Do you think you might see something different in winter wheat than... Winter, I'm thinking winter wheat tends to tiller more than spring wheat, mm -hmm. and therefore maybe it has more ability to compensate for differences in seeding rates, but but I, I don't know. I'm just guessing. Yeah, well, I've done some work on that as well, um, and I actually did a – there is an article I, I wrote up for Wheat Life that came out this past summer. Uh, that kind of um, – that looked at data that – both I did and then also a lot of that data came from Aaron Esser when he was running the program. Um, he did some work with soft white winter wheat. Um, interestingly, I think both Aaron and I, when we started our trials, we were thinking what you were thinking was maybe we can get away with lower rates because we know winter wheat tillers really well. Um, his data actually did not show that. It, it was pretty consistent across two years that higher rates, at least higher rates than what we currently expect, uh, improve yield. I did not go back and review that data to to be able to tell you what that rate was, but it was higher than what we expected. Mm -hmm. um, my data, 
Um, I incorporated some seeding rates into the hard red winter wheat variety trials uh, back in 2021 or 2022. I can't remember now. I think it was 2022. Um, we didn't have quite the same response as Aaron did. Um, I, I want to say we saw a consistent bump from, I want to say like 500,000 seeds per acre to like 750. We saw a big bump or a consistent bump. And then after that, it, it kind of leveled off and we didn't see much advantage. Well, at least it sounds like my recommendation from a weed control standpoint to use large seed and plant at higher rates isn't going to get anybody in trouble um, yeah. and should should help with uh, weed control as well. So that that's good news. So, so what are some of the next steps for this research? Right. So I do plan to repeat the, the seed size treatments to get another year. Um, just it, more data is always better. Um, so hopefully that will confirm my findings rather than muddy the waters, but you never know. That's why you, you repeat things across years. So plan to repeat that. Um, hopefully get a larger range. Um, so hopefully we can get a higher end and a lower end um, to see if that trend line stays true or if things start to level off on one end or the other. Um, uh, I've mentioned I, I do have a trial underway with winter wheat um, where we're attempting to answer whether growers can adjust seeding rates to compensate for smaller seed size uh, and eliminate the, the yield gap. So the data right now, the trials we're running is basically just telling you, is there a difference? Um, now I'm kind of moving on to, well, if there is a difference, how can we compensate for that? So the, the trial I have has, I think, three seed size and three seeding rates. I think we also have at least two varieties in there too. So hopefully that will answer whether, you know, okay, you have smaller seed size, which there's not much you can do about, but maybe if you know you can bump it up by 20% seeds per square foot, you can get the same yield as higher, uh, larger seed as a lower rate. Um, so that's kind of the, the point of that. And that one, that trial is going in at Douglas, Fritzville, and Creston sites. Um, I do have, I think I mentioned this already, I do have some LCS shine seed size treatments in the trials again this year. Uh, previously, I did that in our low rainfall sites. This year, it's going to be in our high rainfall sites. Um, and then I, I need to do some more stats. So I have all this data. Uh, we've started taking stand counts on just a, a couple of our trials, our variety trials, like the whole trial, not, not these side trials, uh, to see if um, seed size, uh, if there's a trend there, regardless of uh, genetics. Uh, I did a little bit of that kind of just a crude look at it last year. And the answer was yes, uh, regardless of not that uh, obviously genetics plays a huge role, but beyond the genetics, there was still a relationship as larger seed tended to have uh, better stand counts. Um, but what I haven't done is look at the, the yield yet. So I want to look since we have all that data, cause we take, we have seed size. We automatically take that on all of our uh, entries for the variety trials. So I'd like to pair that up and look and see if we can find a relationship. So interesting work, Clark. I wonder, uh, is there a place growers can go look at uh, or find this data as it's generated over the next year or two? Right. So all the variety trial data, as most listeners know, is already on the variety testing website at the Small Grains Extension website. Um, I currently actually do not have a website designated for kind of these side treatments, side trials. Um, I have spoken with our website manager, Jenna, about creating one. So there will be one made in the future um, where this will be um, available whenever they want. 
Until then, um, I've been trying to push a lot of this data out on my listserv. Um, so most of these findings um, have been distributed on that. Um, and then, like I said, I wrote a wheat life article this past summer um, on some of the seeding rate stuff. But um, yeah, so. Okay. So uh, listeners could go to the variety testing pages on the small grains website uh, at some point to see this data yep. or to sign up for the listserv. Yes. All right. And, and if you want added to that, just email me and say you want on my prelim data listserv and I'll okay. do that. And they'd email you at? Uh, Clark.Neely at wsu.edu. All right. Thanks, Clark. I think this is interesting information to me because it, it, it actually has weed science uh, ramifications. So I'll, I'll be interested in watching what's, what you learn over the next year or two myself. Okay. Thanks, Drew. Thanks for joining us and listening to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. If you have questions or topics you'd like to hear in future episodes, please email me at drew.lyon, that's L-Y-O-N, at wsu.edu. You can find us online at smallgrains.wsu.edu and on Facebook and Twitter at WSU Small Grains. The WSU Wheat Beat Podcast is a production of Connors Communications and the College of Agricultural, Human, and Natural Resource Sciences at Washington State University. I'm Drew Lyon. We'll see you next time. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed by guests of this podcast are their own and does not imply Washington State University's endorsement.